Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland and the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance, helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. Hello and welcome to Saber, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And uh, today we have a classic episode for you about brunch. Yes, because it is a big holiday weekend, a lot of things going on, including uh, a Valentine's Day and Galentine's Day, both of which uh, often have a brunch element. For Galentine's Day, yeah, both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. I mean, you know, uh, Lunar New Year as well. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that is one of the things that I'm very much missing is I, every Lunar New Year, a big group of my friends would go and we'd get dim sum. Yeah. And it'd be like brunch time. And it was like, it's always so fun. And it's one of those experiences where I'll occasionally just glance around the table and see people so happy and sharing this moment. Like, I have very strong memories of it. Um, like, oh. wow, this is such a delightful time we're spending together. Yeah. Dim, dim sum places are some of my very favorite places for that sort of thing. Cause yeah, it's, it's even if I'm not entirely sure like what any given dish is going to be, I'm so happy about literally all of it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then so wonderfully full at the yeah. end. <laughs> I've yeah. just eaten 29 different types of dumplings and I feel like it. So yeah. It's time to go home. I myself have become a dumpling. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh-huh. just like that short, that Pixar short or Disney short. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I suppose Mardi Gras, you can brunch for anything, really, if you oh, want. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we wanted to bring back this classic for that. And uh, as I said on a previous podcast, I will be, you know, solo, but... I will be eating dumplings and Aww. gumbo at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I have a great quantity of frozen dumplings at the current moment, so uh, I yeah, I'm definitely gonna gonna cook some of those up. 
And uh, yeah, uh, yeah. This this episode is from back in 2017, I believe. Um, uh, so long ago, one of our earliest yeah. episodes. Um, one that one that Annie was in fact still the uh, the producer on. Um, because oh. that that was a good idea. Like, hey, like like let's throw this entire show <laughs> just just right on top of you. Just do everything for it. You can handle that, right? I jumped so quickly when someone was like, would you like a different someone else to edit it? I was like, yes. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at first there's kind of a, like, you're precious about making yourself sound really good and being yeah. nervous about that. So then you over-edit. Oh, and then it sure. becomes like you everything you say in your head, you're editing. And I eventually I was like, oh, no, no. no. <laughs> No more. And it's better. It's better for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, uh, I mean, I know that we thank them uh, at the end of every episode, but for serious, um, our our producers, um, and, and Andrew is the one who does the day-to-day editing on this show. And um, he <laughs> he is such a huge part of our lives in this show. Like, it's the yeah. work that he does is completely invaluable. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. we're so glad to have him because I certainly didn't want to learn <laughs> to do this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It has been lovely. Like a lovely brunch. Um, yeah. Brunch has a lot of interesting things all kind of wrapped up in it that we touch on in this episode. It's really fascinating. And I occasionally still think about, you know, like with Mother's Day or, or these big brunch days, why that is. Yeah. Um, and why foods become brunch foods. Uh, it is interesting. And yeah, as of now, <laughs> a lot of companies, I think, because we are in tough times, are doing like big kind of stunt things. Oh, to get... sure. Yeah. So, well, the Waffle House does this every year, actually, not a sponsor, but um, <coughs> they have like a Valentine's Day. You can make reservations and go. <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I love. Uh, I think I read Dunkin' Donuts is doing like a drive through marriage thing. There's a lot going on in the breakfast space, the breakfast brunch space right now. Huh. drive through marriages? I think so. At Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> oh, it's Dunkin'. F- forgive me. Oh. Huh. <laughs> I, I will never live this down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have I have a number of questions um, that I don't feel like I'm going to ever have a satisfactory answer for. That's I'm glad that you can accept <laughs> that uh, and move on. That's the healthiest way to approach yeah. this. I think. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's great. That is that is wonderful. I approve of everyone celebrating their love with as many donuts as they want to. Yes. Uh, or absolutely any other brunch food if you're if you're into that thing. Yeah, yeah. We just want people to be happy. Uh, <laughs> which, speaking of, I guess we should we should let uh, past Annie and Lauren take it away. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Annie Reese. And today, uh, we figured that since our last episode was about Bloody Marys, we might as well do an episode about brunch. Yeah. It was one of the first topics we kind of discussed that wasn't straight up just a food. Yeah, because it's a very specific cultural phenomenon and a very, like, specifically bougie one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of weird, like, class and, and culture kind of, uh things gross icky things like kind of wrapped up into the concept of brunch but it's also this joyous celebratory occasion of having lived through saturday night so <laughs> essentially do you do, do you like brunches annie uh i do i sometimes question myself when i do it because i do feel pretty bougie about the whole thing um and i went on a like a brunch bender a couple of years ago. <laughs> Lauren knows this about me, but I like 
obsess about maps and cities yeah. and doing all the best things in that city. Maximizing. Yes, mm-hmm. we call it maximizing. Uh, and I did it for Atlanta brunch. So I was like every weekend hitting, <laughs> hitting a new different place. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was big into it for like a very brief period. And now I just wake up so early. I don't like... <laughs> I can't wait around for brunch. You've had three breakfasts already by the time a brunch rolls around. Exactly. Yeah. How about you? Do you like brunch? Um, I, I'm really bad at brunch because I shouldn't really eat whole eggs. It's oh, one of man. the many things that I shouldn't really <laughs> consume for my good health. Um, my body gets so mad at me about various things and whole eggs are one of them. And so it's kind of like, well, yeah, that's well, there you go. Most of the menu probably. Yeah. I do love, I do love, um, a, uh, like an eggs benedict or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to order that at any time. I mean, if a kitchen served that to me. That's at, true. Like 7 p.m., I would definitely order it then. Brunch is not as widespread as I thought it was. And we will get back to that. Yeah. But it is a combination of breakfast and lunch. The word itself is a portmanteau, which is dictionary.com's word of the day a couple of days ago. Oh. oh. Um, of those two things. <laughs> Yes, that's right. I get the word of the day emails. <laughs> and this is a meal that's relegated to the weekend, typically between 10-ish and 3 p.m.-ish, but can go as early as 8. And then it can go as late as 4, which, what a night you must have had. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, or you could just be hungry at 4. And it's a socially acceptable ish time to drink in the mornings and spend $18 on eggs. Woo! Yeah. And we all super excited to do that. Yeah. It, it's kind <laughs> of seen as this more social, relaxed meal. Um, like breakfast is something I feel you get in, you eat your food and get out. But brunch is like, we're just going to chill here for a while. For possibly hours and catch up on everything that we could possibly need to catch up on. Right. I mean, most people are going to brunch. Somebody wants booze. Oh, sure. Yeah. A lot Other, of people, otherwise, you might just go to a diner or something like that. Yeah. There's somebody in the group that's like, do they serve mimosas? No. Are they bottomless mimosas? Yes, exactly. There's that person. Sometimes it's me. And then sometimes, if, if that person is me, you forget that in Atlanta, we have liquor laws. We still have these yes. blue laws that are held over from, from not all that long ago. Um, and we've gotten rid of some of them, but you still can't serve alcohol before 12.30 p.m. on a Sunday. Right. Which means... That if you're going to brunch, and most places in Atlanta don't take reservations for brunch, right. it, there's a surge of people arriving right at <laughs> 12.30. So like minutes before, like a half hour before, the wait could be 10 minutes, 12.30, two hours. <laughs> like, another thing about brunch is that usually the foods are, in quotes, more experimental, kind of fusion-y-ish. Sure. People like to get creative with their brunch options, so it's not just so many omelets. You know, you can get creative with omelets. Oh, you certainly can. And the internet tells me there are a lot of strong opinions about when qualifies as brunch. I guess I never, I've never been fussed by it. I'm like, I'm like, brunch is really more of a state of mind. (laughs) So, yeah. Which actually brings brings us back to the point of uh, of of brunch having this well deserved reputation of being a completely like lavish, unnecessary, (laughs) bougie kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and it also has this kind of also deserved perception as a rich white person meal. In particular. One of the quotes I kept seeing popping up when I was researching brunch is from the lead singer of The Strokes, who moved out of New York to get away from brunch, saying in a GQ article, quote, I don't know how many, like, white people having brunch I can deal with on a Saturday afternoon. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, fair enough, though. That's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also apparently gendered feminine, which is also apparently a running sitcom joke. More on that later, too. Now that we're talking about it, I've never had this in my head that it was like a, a ladies meal. But now that we're talking about it, I kind of, I guess... I guess I've seen the, the, I guess I've seen that in pop culture, like like a ladies yeah. who brunch kind of thing. Like I've seen... Like sex in the City. Sure, totally. But... But in my personal experience, it's usually been dude friends of mine who have been super excited about brunch. So I don't know. Yeah. I've never been at a restaurant and thought to myself, wow, it's all ladies in here. (laughs) I did used to have lady brunches with with, with, uh, Tracy V. Wilson um, and uh, and our friend Amy Minlapis. Oh, but. she used to make great brunch recommendations. Tracy did. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She knew about she knew about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure she still does. She's not dead. I mean, 
nothing has happened to Tracy. Uh, speaking of brunch recommendations, like, what are the kind of general-ish things you'll find on a brunch menu? Uh, aside from the uh, aforementioned mimosas and Bloody Marys. Yep. Um, here in Atlanta... <laughs> we got things like chicken and waffles. I do like chicken and waffles. It's like a lot. It's heavy. So a couple bites in, I usually have regrets. But those first <laughs> couple of bites are amazing. <laughs> uh, other other than that, um, you know, eggs benedict, uh, frittatas, huevos rancheros. Chilaquiles. That's one of my favorites. Chilaquiles? Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. Oh, well, you probably couldn't eat it. Oh, that's probably true. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> oh, um, sad trombone. Fancy waffles. And bacon. Bagels and locks, pancakes, biscuit sandwiches, home fries or otherwise pan-fried potatoes, breakfast tacos, uh, salads and light sandwiches, steak and eggs, tofu skillets, eggy pasta skillets. Those are the things that I feel like I see most places that have a big old brunch menu. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I added a note to do a future episode on why are certain foods breakfast foods. Definitely some good stories in there. Yeah. Ba- bacon is a fun one that involves uh, propaganda. And um, the uh, really? the nephew of Sigmund Freud. Oh, man, what a teaser. We are coming back to that. So historically speaking, uh, where where did brunch come from? And, and actually, this part is why I wanted to do this episode, because it's a very short history, actually. Probably people who have had leisure time and leisure money have been eating lavish late morning, early afternoon breakfast break fast meals like like breaking your fast meals for basically ever especially in cultures of uh, conspicuous consumption like royalty class renaissance and medieval europe and during the roman empire but the word brunch itself and the western traditions associated with it are so much more recent they're like circa victorian kind of era brunch is thought to have roots in england's uh hunt breakfasts um which were these Larger and later than usual meals servants would cook up right after a hunting party returned with their catch. And uh, foods included at this sort of thing, according to foodtimeline.org, which is really a very amazing website, um, (laughs) include cold cuts, entire legs of ham, tongue, pickled Mm. pork, fried potatoes, pork chops, veal cutlets, anchovies, ham toast. Not positive what that is, but I want it. (laughs) Croquettes? Is it croquettes or croquets? (laughs) I've, I think it's croquettes. Cool. That one. Mm-hmm. Uh, savory puddings, savory pies, meat in jelly, like aspic kind of situations. Uh, kidneys, roast larks, <laughs> yeah. broiled ducklings, deviled turkey, calves head served cold. Of course. Fr- <laughs> <laughs> How else are you going to eat your calves head? Fried fish, oysters, lobster or partridge salad. Smoked- Not both. <laughs> That'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Smoked fish or meat or sausages, foie gras omelets, and so on and so forth. This is a very fancy assortment. Yeah. And a lot of meat. Yeah, re- real real protein heavy. I'm, I'm sure that, I'm sure that like pastry and stuff was involved, but like yeah. these, these are all of the things that, that stood out. Right. And it makes sense if the hunting party is not returning with like bread. We have conquered the bread. <laughs> we went to the bakery. <laughs> we returned victorious from our bread hunt. Actually, I've definitely come back from bakeries feeling like that. Oh, yeah, me too. According to the Smithsonian's website, the word brunch first popped up in an article from Hunter's Weekly in 1895 titled, quote, brunch, a plea. The article's author, Guy Berenger, was making the case that in the place of heavy post-church lunches, uh, folks should partake in some lighter foods and have a more sociable meal. And doing so would be good for your temper, your fellow humans, and for getting ready for the new week. He, he said, quote, Brunch is cheerful, sociable, and inciting. It is talk compelling. It puts you in a good temper. It makes you satisfied with yourself and your fellow beings. It sweeps away the worries and cobwebs of the week. It sounds lovely. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Right? He was really pushing for it. He, it was like a persuasive essay he wrote. <laughs> and there there was a part in there that was kind of like, look, we know you probably got up to some trouble. You're going to need something to sop up all that trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, a year later, in 1896, Pennsylvania paper The New Oxford published the first known written instance of brunch in the U.S., um, and that same year, an English magazine named Punch <laughs> advised that this meal should be called brunch when closer to breakfast and blunch when closer to lunch. I'm really glad that that's not a thing. <laughs> I'm 
This might be one of those words I just adopt. Like, I adopted doodle, so I don't say dude, I say doodle. That's what it originally was, you guys. Really? Uh-huh. Huh. Like Yankee Doodle Dandy. Oh, he's a okay. dude. He's a dude. And then we he's sure, a doodle. Yeah, he's a doodle, so I say hey doodles. Uh, at, at this point in England, uh, it was considered highly fashionable, like almost a necessity for the elite to, to brunch. Um, oh, wow. And in 1900, the London pub- publication, The Academy, uh, printed this just amazingly cheeky letter to the editor that lists uh, similar portmanteaus, um, including brupper, <laughs> which was described as the joyous meal you have after a very late dance, for instance, <laughs> and consists of supper, which might almost be breakfast. <laughs> that is such a British <laughs> word, brupper. brupper. <laughs> It also goes on to say, and I quote, but of course, brunch is undoubtedly far the best of all of them and is indeed, as you remark, the resource of the indolent. I am. Wow. I was like, goodness, my gracious. That's I just love I just love that cheek in there. That's great. Indolent. The resource (laughs) of the indolent. Cool. Soon after this, uh, brunch made it to one particular demographic in the U.S., White male college students, um, and this is mostly because there weren't a lot of women or minorities attending college at the time. Because they weren't allowed to. Yay! Yay. And since it was primarily enjoyed by hungover college kids, brunch was more commonly known as varsity meal. Hmm. Yeah. Jumping ahead to the 1930s, a culmination of stuff came together to help brunch along. And one of these things was Hollywood celebrities. They helped popularize the meal by stopping midway through their transcontinental flights, typically in Chicago, to have a late morning meal. Yep. And like with most things, the rich and famous set the trend. Brunch was starting to take off towards the end of Prohibition. See the Bloody Mary episode. (laughs) uh, And was seen by wealthy, powerful folk. I read this as they wouldn't get punished for breaking the law. Okay, sure. um, As a chance to start their day with an alcoholic beverage or several, but in a mixed drink, all sneaky-like. Yeah. So it was like they wanted to drink with their late luxury meal. They couldn't really, (laughs) unless they hid it in... In juice, basically. Either tomato juice or orange juice. Typically, Yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in 1931, the LA Times hosted a demonstration of this new vogue. Um, uh, quote, every woman reader of the Times is cordially invited to attend. Oh, <laughs> uh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently the menus they demonstrated included, uh, such items as tomato juice, popovers, corned beef hash with eggs, fruit salad, baked stuffed Baked stuffed squab, and two things I'm very confused about. <laughs> balloon potatoes. Mm. Balloon potatoes. Uh-huh. And grapeleade? Okay. I've got a theory on the balloon <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> I've got a I've got a theory on the grapeleade. Um also in nineteen thirty seven a cookbook called Corn Beef and Caviar included a menu for brunch of anchovy and chutney rolls, black bean soup, sauteed kidneys, Indian rice and minced celery, and a tomato and clam juice mocktail. Now, why a mocktail? The book said, because this is one of those cookbooks for women from history that also included really amazing life advice. And by really amazing, I mean incredibly sexist and condescending. Um, (laughs) Excellent. And so the book said that it was only appropriate for a man to be seen drinking during the day. Oh. And that if the cook, who who would be the hostess of a household, obviously, um, had something by herself in the kitchen, people would think she was, quote, depraved and that they, quote, wouldn't be wrong. Whoa. Oh, snap. Wow. 1937 cookbook. So you could enjoy your tomato and clam juice mocktail. Man, I i don't know. I bet a lot of women might have. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to know. That's the whole point. I guess, yeah. Oh, man. Qu- questions questions to ask uh, to ask my grandmother. <laughs> So hotels seized on this idea of brunch since a lot of restaurants were closed on Sundays and um, a post-World War II dip in church attendance meant that more people were looking for something to do with friends and family after sleeping in on Sundays. Uh, but restaurants didn't wait long before joining the hotels and offering brunch. New York City's Tavern on the Green 
pretty famous place, uh, <laughs> began serving brunch in the 40s. And New York, thanks in part perhaps to that Sex in the City thing, was named Best Brunch City in America by Food and Wine magazine. <laughs> Couldn't find a date on it. <laughs> believe it was 2015. Uh, <laughs> much to the lead singer of the Stroke Chagrin. Another contributing factor to brunch's rise in the United States was due to the fact that more married women were entering the workforce after World War II. That meant that they needed to rest up on Sunday night, too, which meant that they needed to not cook and plan and prepare this, at the time, customary huge Sunday dinner meal. This meal was a big deal. Like, this is why Thanksgiving is on a Thursday level. Of big deal. Yeah. Because we can't, yeah. We can't plan those two big meals. Too close close. to one another. Yes. Yes. So Thursday, Thursday was the closest you could get to Sunday <laughs> and it being weekend. Like mm-hmm. the New York Times wrote that Sunday had become a two meal day in 1939. Huh. And brunch was seen as a way to save time and money. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, and the Washington Post writer Ruth Chambers went as far to label brunch as, quote, meal for professional women. Ah, another one of those status things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently before this... Women eating out in public, and heaven forbid, without a man, was perceived as scandalous, and it was heavily, heavily frowned upon. Oh, man. That's okay. Sure. Yeah. Of course. There were mm-hmm. lawsuits about women. What? Yeah. Being allowed to eat in public without a chaperone bought about by women. Uh, some involved in the Voting Rights Act. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, this had to change once women started getting factory jobs in cities, and they didn't have the time or desire to pack a lunch, and they didn't really have a lot of affordable options that wouldn't possibly put them next to a strange man. Oh, scandal indeed. <laughs> at like a lunch counter. Yeah, sure. Um, so even at fine restaurants, uh, a lady was supposed to have a chaperone, and Elizabeth Cady Stanton's daughter, Harriet Stanton Blatch, Blatch, and her friend Hetty Wright Graham sued a restaurant after it refused to seat them. And even though they lost, wow. uh, the tide slowly began to change. Hmm. Eating out in public alone was seen as a visible indicator of women's liberation. <laughs> and brunch became a big part of this. Oh, and, and, and also, of course, that's part of the other tie to this being like like a white, wealthy Right. Women's meal. Yeah. This is like white women's liberation. Sure. Oh, yeah. tied to that. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's yeah, civil rights not coming along for another few decades. Yep. Man, even brunch is depressing. I know. <laughs> it's, got, it's got some funny bits to it, <laughs> It though. does. It, it does. Some, I mean, okay, th- this next one is entertaining. Yes. In the 60s, Cosmo editor Helen Gurley. way, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, Helen Gurley-Brown has written some of those things you read that you're like, is hilarious, but also sad because people believed what she was writing at, at the, the time. time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Cosmo editor Helen Curly Brown's The Single Girl's Cookbook advised women to make brunch for any guests staying the night, which at the time flouted the social norm that women didn't have any gentlemen callers. If they did, they definitely did not like broadcast it. Though, don't worry, any possible... Uh, like hint that it was okay or even partially the norm to have a gentleman caller who who might spend the night. Despite that, the the, the emphasis here was on getting a gentleman caller to become your husband. Right. Um. For example, in this book, there was an entire chapter on what to cook if you find out your man has been cheating on you and you want him back. Oh, <laughs> see, that's one of those terrible things that <laughs> Helen Gurley Brown. Man, what what would you cook? Oh, uh, well, for, for that specifically, I'm not sure, but a sample brunch <laughs> menu, um, in, involved in this cookbook was, uh, a Bloody Mary, eggs in ham cups, mm. fried apples, and a fruit jello mold. Because, of course, why? Yeah. <laughs> it was the 1960s, and why not? In June of 1975, the New York Times published an article by one Angela Taylor called, And So to Brunch, Bagels and Locks or Strawberry, Strawberry Omelets or dot, dot, dot. Um, and, and it also, I've got kind of an extended quote that just really cements the concept of brunch as being this, this upper class or, or at the the very least this, this like rising middle class kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, and I quote, 
It's very statusy to go out to brunch on Sunday, said a young single woman who lives on the Upper East Side. But even for the bagels and locks crowd who haven't heard from status, brunching out is a pleasant way to console oneself for not being away for the weekend. Brunch is a lot of different things to New Yorkers. It can be the 99-cent special at the cafeteria in the Central Park Zoo or the $9.50 menu in the plaza's Palm Court, where lesser folks stare at the well-heeled tourists and the clink of good china punctuates a polite hubbub. Brunch is also the polyglot racket of a Chinatown dumpling house, where you gorge on exotic tidbits and the check is figured by the number of empty plates on your table. It's champagne cocktails by candlelight in Greenwich Village, or even McDonald's, where single women sometimes hunt for divorced fathers entertaining their offspring. Whoa, <laughs> I did not see that coming. I know, right? I was like, oh, what a twist. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wanted to read that whole chunk. I was like, okay. All right, Angela Taylor, thanks. Okay. Thanks, thanks for that look into the, oh, man. Uh, and it seems that common menu items at the time were the kind of things that we sort of expect today. Uh, the, the Eggs Benedict, Bloody Marys, Bagels and Lux, um, interesting om- omelets, uh, like mm-hmm. like uh, caviar and sour cream. Whoa. Yeah, maybe. That is very fancy. I would totally eat that, like, right now, despite the fact that I shouldn't have eggs. <laughs> I guess what I mean is I would just eat ca- caviar and sour, sour cream. <laughs> I'll take the caviar and sour cream omelet. Hold the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Brunch crystallized into its final form during the 80s, when Americans, who now had more disposable income, welcomed with open arms the Hotel Brunch Buffet. And it spread from cities to towns, from upscale restaurants to places like IHOP. No offense, IHOP. And a sample menu from a uh, contemporary 1980s cookbook, Sunset Brunch, Creamy scrambled eggs and baked potato boats. Oh. Which looks really great. Uh, Fruit salad and a pineapple shell. Wow. Champagne and coffee. And also, dudes were featured cooking in photos in the book. What? What? I don't even know. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Go to 1980s. Around this time in the 80s is when breakfast started to decline. Huh. Um. Data from the International Food Information Council Foundation shows that in 1971, 89% of Americans ate breakfast, but by 2002, that number had dropped to 82%, which is actually higher than I thought it would be. Yeah. I eat breakfast. I wake up. The reason I wake up is usually I'm hungry. (laughs) Oh, no. I I put it off as far as long as possible. I'm like, (laughs) I'll have like a yogurt like around like 11 or noon. Oh, my gosh. Until then, it's just coffee and... (laughs) Pure vim. I'm like, at 6 a.m., I'm, I'm awake and like, when can I eat right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got to find something immediately. Uh, I, I usually don't wake up hungry. I usually have no desire to eat for a few hours. I used to be like that in high school. Yeah. But things have changed. Yeah. In the 1990s, brunch spread to Saturday, which brings us to pretty much modern day brunch. But first, let's stop for a quick word from our sponsor. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. 
During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. <laughs> yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. <laughs> yes, I did too. <laughs> Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes. Yes. Um, According to an article I read from the Washington Post, Google searches for brunch have gone up since 2004, and they pretty consistently spike twice a year. What days would you guess those are? They're pretty close to each other. They well, uh, yeah. Well, it's it's uh, it's another it's it's another two like like let's give the lady who's clearly the cook a break from cooking. Yeah. And so those days are Mother's Day and Easter. Yep. Mother's Day, I guessed immediately, but Easter. Yeah. I've, I mean, I don't know what else I would have guessed, but I wouldn't yeah. have guessed Easter. It's not like Halloween. I mean, ads for those uh, for for Mother's Day brunches started popping up in newspapers around the 1940s. Yeah, and uh, when brunch first started gaining momentum outside of celebrities in the U.S., uh, that whole cooking and cleaning thing took up two hours a day of a married woman's time. But now that number is around five hours a week. Ah. Yeah. Um, And outside of brunch, Mother's Day is still the most popular day a year to eat out. And it is, like we said, the, the, I mean, even in my family, my dad would be like, let's give your mom a day off. We'll take her out somewhere. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> no, which is which is sweet. It's it, just, it is. It's just steeped in institutionalized sexism. Is right. all. But I mean, it's weird. It's a weird thing because in my family, um, I, I feel like my mom and I would rather not go eat out. Go out to eat. Yeah, it's it's. But it's seen as like, well, we've got to we do have this to. thing. Yeah, brunch on Mother's Day is a vaguely miserable experience. Like that. Yeah. It's just so. It's so. It's so much. It's just complete sensory overload for me. I kind of can't handle being in a restaurant with that many children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, kids are great. Just. <laughs> I've never, I've never risked Mother's Day brunch. We always go at like a lunch dinner okay. thing. Yeah. I've never tried for the Mother's Day brunch. It sounds very intimidating. The reservation process. No, thank you. Other than you, people who tend to not be very fond of of brunch include basically the entire restaurant industry. Because it means like working late Saturday night and getting up early Sunday and figuring out a menu that has breakfast foods and lunch foods and specialized brunch fusion foods that you can only get at brunch. Yeah, all, all of which are right, are, are different and probably using entirely different um, ingredients than you use on your normal lunch and dinner menus. Right. And on top of that, most restaurants don't get deliveries on the weekend. So you're probably eating the not so fresh leftovers of the week and paying so much for it. Uh, and the staff working brunch is usually the newer, uh, which doesn't have to be bad. But, you know, they're less seasoned staff since it's the 
quote, less busy shift and the least liked. So it's like the last pick. Yeah. Uh, and even though it's expensive, it's not as much as dinner. So waiters are not making as much in tips. Uh, it's not particularly fun food to make. I read a lot of the quotes from eggs, chefs. Yeah. Eggs are a pain in the butt to yeah. cook to temperature, especially yeah. when people are very picky about egg temperature, which, to be fair, is a thing I've complained about before. Yeah. No, it it's more in the way you complain. I feel like French crowds... Mm, feel a little bit entitled? Yeah. <laughs> because they're bougie? And your bottomless drank, they're probably almost definitely using the cheap stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's obvious, but uh, most chefs recommend just going to a breakfast place. And, personal note, most of my favorite brunch places in Atlanta are more like breakfast places that are just open yeah. during brunch time. I guess most of mine are as well. Um, so, uh, apart from apart from the price tag, which we have been talking about, and the entire restaurant industry hating brunch, what is... Let's, let, let's talk about this problem, this problem that is brunch that we've been... Not even tiptoeing, just bulldozing right through for this entire yeah. episode. Um, this is a meal that's whole existence is thanks to excess. It's like excess food, excess money, excess time. And it's always been a meal for people who are well off. Um, you're not going to do this leisurely hour plus long meal, uh, an expensive meal, uh, a social meal, on the weekend, unless you've got the money and that time to do so. Uh, a lot of things I read kind of compared it to like a public culinary display of money and privilege. Yeah. Uh, uh, movements like uh, hashtag black, black brunch have staged protest at brunch for this reason. And recently, brunch has also become associated with gentrification. Uh, it's a meal that can be enjoyed by young professionals with extra time and money who don't have kids to worry about and to find affordable housing for. Also time to waste regarding waiting when there aren't reservations. Right, which, sure. Like I said, um, a lot of brunch places don't. Don't take them, yeah. I tried to find out why that was, but all I could find is why generally restaurants don't take reservations. Sure. Um, and this is also something I had never really thought about, um, the kids thing. Like yeah. all the other stuff. I'd considered, um, but I never really thought about like, uh, just the time you don't have time if you've got kids. Yeah. Yeah. To do yeah. This because meal. yeah, I mean, I still, I still see people with kids there. Sure. Sure. I, I see families out, but yeah, but it's a whole, I mean, it's definitely a deal to, to, to get, especially more than one child, like, like dressed and out of the house and to this restaurant and is, I mean, depending on the age of the child, like, is it, is it going to be around their mealtime? Like, is there yeah. going to be something the kid's going to want to eat? Like, is it going to, yeah. like, is it going to lead to a meltdown? Yeah. <laughs> is it going to be way less fun than just staying home would have been for you to begin with? Yeah. <laughs> yep. All that stuff. Mm -hmm. So the data I mentioned earlier from the Google Trends mm -hmm. um, actually did not find this correlation of, um, like, gentrification um, on a state level. Uh-huh. But it did find a small correlation between brunch and income and the percentage of the population living in urban areas, those two things. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty small, though. Uh, the largest correlation was between brunch and the percentage of the population made up of Jewish people. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> Obligatory disclaimer of the episode. Remember, correlation does not equal causation. Of course. Yes. Um Brunch didn't show a correlation with any um, of the other religions looked at. And that surprised me because I always kind of thought it was like people getting out after church were going to brunch. But I guess um, a lot of churches do like potlucks. Uh, this is one explanation offered up for why brunch may, may be more popular among Jewish communities because it's presented as an alternative to church on Sundays. Oh, sure. So what's the future of brunch? <laughs> after the huh. 2016 American election... Some analysts thought the consumerism uh, that brunch can represent would be like the death of brunch. Oh, wow. And I've heard a lot of people say protest is the new brunch. But so far, that hasn't really been the case. And there's even talk of brunch DJs now. Oh, no. Brunch DJs. Why is there ever a DJ in a restaurant? I don't know. <laughs> um, so uh, so this, this, is all, this is all very... Western and specifically very American uh, culture that we've been talking about. And mm -hmm. we do have a few notes about uh, brunch, brunch type 
meals enjoyed in other cultures. Mm -hmm. But first, we're going to take another quick break for a word from our sponsor. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot -E com slash savor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes. So, uh, brunch, brunch around the world. One of the first things that I think of when I think of brunch is dim sum, because we're very yes. lucky here in Atlanta to have a wonderful uh, international population and some really good, really good dim sum. Yeah. I love me some dim sum. Uh, when I was kind of looking into, I didn't want to research dim sum too much because we're going to do a It's whole, a, definitely a whole other episode. Yeah. It deserves its whole yeah. It's whole thing. But um, when I was looking up, like, brunch around the world, dim sum is often called the original brunch. Yeah. Um, and the name dim sum refers to uh, bite-sized foods that usually come in steamer baskets or small plates that are passed around on food carts, typically. Yeah. Um, yes. We will come back to that. Absolutely. Definitely. Oh, uh, there's also, and I had never heard of this one, um, but there's, yeah. there's apparently a, a thing in Dubai called Friday brunch. Yes. Uh, it sounds like American brunch, but on steroids. <laughs> uh, the work week in Dubai is Sunday to Thursday. And so Friday is like when the weekend starts. Mm -hmm. And you start your weekend with this lavish, over-the-top brunch. Um, like, for instance, you need a map 
a map to navigate the 37 <laughs> station sprawl that dominates an entire floor of this, like, I think it's an office building. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked up pictures and it, it's nuts. 37 station. 37. A map. Yeah. I can't imagine entering a restaurant and With being a handed a map. Oh, I can. And it's delightful. <laughs> um, caviar and champagne are pretty common at all of these Friday brunches. Dubai. Yeah, if anyone's experienced that, please. Oh, yeah. Let us know. Send us pictures. That sounds that sounds wonderful. So that's kind of brunch. Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of that's kind of what we have to say about brunch. And that brings us to the end of this classic episode on brunch. We hope that you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. We hope that whatever you're celebrating or not celebrating, uh, it's a nice time for you. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I was thinking the other day about, uh, a friend of mine has one of those, um, Death Star waffle irons, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and oh. the last time we all hung out, uh, he tried to make, uh, those for me because he knew I was such a big Star Wars fan, and it just, like, failed in the most fabulous way. <laughs> it was, it was such a good time. <laughs> Oh, failure waffles. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, the Death Star failed, too. Not once, but twice. So it's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, if, if you try to make a Death Star waffle and you're like, this is structurally unsound in a very specific way, then, I mean, I feel like you only have yourself to blame for your expectations. You're right. I should totally send him a text out of the blue and just be like, there was a flaw in your Death Star waffle plan. <laughs> And it's all your fault. <laughs> they tasted delicious, and I loved it. And that's that's what a good brunch can accomplish. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, if you would like to email us, we would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is.